Have you heard of Anchor? It's free and it's so easy. If I can figure it out, pretty much anyone can. Create your own podcast from your phone or any device and they will distribute it across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms on your behalf without you having to do a thing. You can also make money without any minimum listenership or any required audience. Anchor is super easy to use, and all you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Start your own podcast today. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast with host Diana from Good Vibes Marketing and Morgan from the Cannabis Women's Alliance. I'm Diana. I'm Morgan. Hi, Diana. Hi. So there's a lot of negativity going on in the world right now. It's garbage fires everywhere. But um, we're going to try to stay positive today and keep it upbeat because we have some fantastic guests that we have interviewed for this episode. And I'm sure there's other things to be happy about, right, Morgan? <laughs> That's right. I mean, we just had Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas and all the other holidays coming up as well. I, I need to be PC. Not just <laughs> Christmas. It's all the holidays, New Year's, and... And Happy anything holidays, else that you anything else you celebrate or don't celebrate, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We all love cannabis. We can all agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. So whatever kind of tree that you're dealing with this holiday season, <laughs> <laughs> we support you. So let's get started with the news because there's a lot going on right now. Um, the first item is that New Mexico study found that legalization of cannabis can reduce opioid use um no yeah i know imagine that right according to this cannabis uh, report the university of new mexico researchers say that legal availability of medical cannabis has the potential to reduce opioid use among chronic pain patients the results indicate a strong correlation between enrollment in new mexico's medical marijuana program and cessation or reduction of opioid use um, it says that the informal surveys showed a significant proportion of patients substituting their prescriptions, their opioid prescriptions with cannabis. So that's a positive, I'd say. Yeah, something I think we've been experiencing here in Washington that those, it's a helpful tool. And I can't wait until we figure out a really solid solution to this opioid epidemic. But we all know that cannabis can heal so many ailments. And so good luck, New Mexico. Absolutely. Next up on the docket, we've got some interesting information um, about the GOP. <laughs> <laughs> on Wednesday, GOP representatives in the House extinguished yet another amendment that could have granted cannabis-related businesses access to the federal banking system. We all know this is a huge problem, uh, but yet yeah, here we are, shot down again. Yeah. First reported by Marijuana Moments, Tom Angel, the amendment to H.R. 4293, better known as the Secure and Fair Enforcement Banking Act of 2017, is now officially dead. 
So screw you guys who want to put your money in a, a legitimate bank. I mean, why should our business people here in the United States have access to a bank? Why? I mean, that's just ridiculous. How can they think that way? It's like they just really don't want people to do this in the legitimate way. You know, it's like every which way they can get you. <laughs> They do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and just like gun control, they they want nothing to do with it. That's a huge problem right now. I mean, people literally have nowhere to put their money. I mean, that's bad. And it's a, bad thing. And it's a huge safety risk. Mm-hmm. People are, you know, you can't deal in cash all the time and expect the, uh, the criminal element not to try and get in there somehow. So I'm really disappointed in this. Um, this is a sad day for business and banking in the cannabis industry. So... Yeah, we'll have to keep working on that one. Yes, absolutely. And and other conservative news. <laughs> um, conservative MP Peter Kent says that cannabis and fentanyl are equally dangerous. And I'm going to read this part just because I love it. Um, in his goatee sporting days as a backbencher of the Can- Canadian Parliament, Justin Trudeau once called conservative MP Peter Kent a piece of shit. <laughs> um, That's great. I wish I had him as a as a prime minister or whatever, or as a president. I don't know. I just love Justin Trudeau so much. Anyway. <laughs> At the time, <laughs> Me too. it says at the time, Kent was standing to address the room about the Harper government's heavily criticized decision to withdraw Canada from the Kyoto Protocol, an international treaty to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Trudeau was later forced to apologize for unparliamentary language. But despite Trudeau's word choice, it's hard to argue that Kent's views on climate change were entirely grounded in reality. Four years later, as a member of the opposition, Kent continues to spit proudly in the face of facts. During a debate on the Trudeau government's Bill C-45, which would legalize recreational marijuana by the summer of 2018, Kent rose to provide his insight on the dangers of home growing. And he equated fentanyl, which is killing people instantly, to cannabis, which has not killed anyone ever yet. <laughs> so, Oh, my God. What a douche. He is a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I hope Canada, I hope everything goes well with Canada and it all goes the way they want it to, though. Yay, Canada. Yeah, I love Canada. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> all right. We'll get this, get a hold of this one. Uh, the Associated Press was talking about this um, state of Oregon, McMinnville, to be specific. A Yamhill County judge has denied a motion to dismiss a complaint filed by a vineyard owner against aspiring marijuana growers. The vineyard owner, Momtazi Family LLC, claims that marijuana odors will damage wine grapes with foul smelling particles. Wow. <laughs> okay, so, so they're trying to say that our beautiful cannabis plant's odor is going to waft into these grapes, so they're going to have marijuana-smelling grapes in wine. I think that would be a good thing. I mean... <laughs> I do, too. Where do I buy that? Well, I don't drink. Um, but oh, yeah, that's right. But I, don't know. <laughs> I don't see how that could actually affect the taste, though. I think that's going a bit far and a bit ridiculous. I think people are really grabbing straws when they're trying or grasping for straws in the, the odor debate, you know, because there are so much yeah. more foul-smelling things in the world that uh, could <laughs> destroy those plants, you know? 
like chemicals. And I think, I mean, I think we've talked about this before. Here in Washington State, eastern Washington, Lake Chelan County is going through the same thing, but they're not trying to say it's going against their grapes. They're just saying they don't, that it affects their skin rashes to have the cannabis odor wafting into the air, never mind the cow shit or right. the, any other offensive odors that come from. Oh, that's business. because those farmers, looked, that, that was when they got everything taken away from them, right? Because that woman filed a complaint. Isn't that what? what the situation was in Washington? I don't know about that specific one. Something about... I just know that we, there's a still big fight over odors and how it smells. I remember reading say. something about a woman in Washington saying that, like, the odor was causing her to get sick or something, and, and I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I swear we talked about this in a previous episode, but... Uh, we're just saying no to those kinds of complaints. You need to just realize that it is just an agricultural crop, just like anything else. And with it comes along, the natural odors of it, so deal with it. Yes. And I think that these people are going to have to deal with it because um, I think they st- they cited the state's right to farm law, which prohibits, or maybe maybe I'm reading this wrong. Okay. They were asking the judge to throw out the lawsuit. Because there were no, there was no evidence that the odors would cross property lines. Yeah, that's right. Well, good for them and good luck. Yeah, totally. All right. Today we're talking to Leah D'Ambrosio, who is a good friend of Your Highness podcast and who was able to make it to the Marijuana BizCon, MJ BizCon, in Las Vegas earlier this month. And she's here to share her experience. Hello, Leah. Hey, Diana. Thank you so much for having me today. Love being on this show. And we love having you. So what was your experience like at the BizCon? What were some of your takeaways? Oh, it's an amazing conference. It's really, if you can only choose to go to one conference, marijuana conference in the year, I would just highly recommend this because it is such a high quality conference. They put it on so well. There were 687 uh, booths and eight over 18,000 attendees and it just runs like clockwork they do such an amazing job and the quality of people is so great because you're meeting people who are serious about the industry who are either in it want to get in it or you have investors um, just a lot of professionals and a lot of really wonderful people so we had a great time and it's in Vegas and it's always fun to go to Vegas absolutely um, and it's three days so, so yeah it was really fun and you were able to make it to the Women in Cannabis Luncheon. Did you want to talk about I that? I was. Yeah, I was. I was really excited about that because I missed it last year. It sells out really early every year. So this year I made sure to get my tickets in the summertime to make mm-hmm. sure that I could get a spot. And um, was able to go on the – I think they had it on the second day. And it was really wonderful to go in and see this huge room filled with women who are – you know, either wanting to be in the business or in the business or, you know, seasoned professionals and just really such a great group of women who are all welcoming and excited about what they were doing. It was just really inspirational. And they had nice round tables with about 10 ladies at each. And I was lucky enough to sit with some really wonderful women. Um, so it was a great experience. Awesome. Um, was your What was your favorite part of the luncheon? Did you, were there any speeches or panels that you... Yeah. Um, I think that, well, the Dr. Kirkland Therapeutics was the sponsor. He's out of Canada, and he has some really great CBD, THC products, and he gave everyone a gift, and that was really nice. And he had a really great story. He has a female mentor, 
mm-hmm. that um, helped him get into business. And so that was really kind of a positive, heartwarming story. And then Cassandra, who is the co-founder of um, MJ Biz, she's actually pretty inspirational. The fact that she's, she's probably only in her late 30s, early 40s, and she's you know heading this huge conference. It was her and it was her uh, good friend, Andy Goldman, who is the principal at ABG Advisory. It was just really nice to see some nice, strong women um, kind of help guide other women in this industry. And, and there were actually a few men in the, in the room, too, which was, which was nice, too, because mm-hmm. it's men who support women. So that was really great. But I think that overall, just being with these women, um, we did have some private like little roundtable discussions and just hearing what the women were doing. There was a woman in finance. Uh, there was a woman who had an edible company like me. There was another woman who has a delivery company in Mill Valley. And they were all doing really great things and all very excited about what they were doing. And that's really inspirational. That's awesome. I'm so glad that you're able to take your time with us today. And if you haven't yet checked out Leah's amazing products, she is the co-founder of Bake Smart and Sconed Edibles, which are delicious. And I highly recommend both products all the way (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you is there anything else you'd like to add before no just that um that i just really encourage all these women in the industry to just try and go to the mj bizcon because as a woman in the industry in the marijuana industry i felt really supported there there's a lot of great people there um i felt supported by both men and women and i just think it's just a really wonderful way to get excited about getting into the industry and also be supported with what you're doing in the industry. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad you had that experience and thank you for sharing and thank you for Thanks being so our voice Diana. there. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that was exciting. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right. Our first guests today are Biz and Mari, host of Stoner Girl Diary. Stoner Girl Diary first flourished out of the desperate need to shed a positive light on cannabis. The average depiction of habitual cannabis users was not a good representation of who they are, how they conduct themselves, or even their outlook on cannabis. As soon as they went live with the first episode of Stoner Girl Diary on YouTube, the response was incredible. It became crystal clear that others had felt judged and misrepresented for a long time. Today, they run a production studio where they record Stoner Girl Diary and dedicate time to developing and producing content to help normalize cannabis. So what inspired the creation of Stoner Girl Diary and what is it? Well, this is a question we get asked a lot, but I actually love answering it. Um, So we started Stoner Girl Diary basically out of the need, the need for a show like this, because we noticed that there was a lot of women in the cannabis industry spoken for. um, And there wasn't, and if they were, they were just being represented um, incorrectly, I feel. Um, So we started with a Facebook page uh, where we were just putting up cute pictures of bongs and and stuff that we enjoyed personally. And then uh, overnight, we just saw like such a big success. We had thousands of followers literally overnight. And I think that just got us really excited and it kind of confirmed for us that there was a need for something like this. For sure. Yeah. And then so me and Biz decided to um, I did just started more of like, oh, let's just do a podcast and let's just put a camera and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And then since we got such great response through the followers that we had already had through the Facebook and stuff, we're like, okay, let's keep doing this. And we just basically took everyone's constructive criticism and, and developed the show to what it's today. Mm-hmm. It we- has definitely developed a lot. <laughs> yeah. A long way. Mm-hmm. It's a really great show. I love it. It's really fun to watch. Thank you. 
Um, in what ways do you aim to break stereotypes of the show? So uh, I always say that, well, it's no secret that there is a really big uh, stoner stereotype. And um, I mean, the the main way is that, um, well, we focus a lot with women. So uh, we noticed that there was a lot of women in the cannabis industry being overly sexualized and stuff like that. So we just kind of wanted to open people's eyes and, and show people that uh, that's, you know, that's not how we are. And we're just regular girls who just happen to like and hang out in and have girl talk but it, it was just something that wasn't being represented mm-hmm. yeah I, I truly feel like we just by living our daily lives and like the way that we um kind of represent ourselves we're already breaking stoner stereotypes mm-hmm. i don't know if that makes any sense absolutely um, it does i mean you're and, being productive and yeah, you're being you know, yeah you're getting stuff done so <laughs> exactly yeah because like his and i do not only do sooner girl diary like we we run a, a media production company you right know, and like every day we're doing things and so so that just by i feel like just by leading by example is how we break sooner stereotypes really absolutely what is your favorite aspect of working in cannabis Ooh, that's a good question smoking um, it I, <laughs> love it <laughs> i think it's really cool that we kind of get to like tell our kids that we were kind of pioneers in this movement that's really fresh really at least in this thing of making it what it will be in the future mm-hmm. yeah i i'm busy but also i would say the benefits of working cannabis is that all the cool stuff you get to know about like we, uh, I only say this because here in Florida, you know, since it's not necessarily as um, accessible as it is in other con- in other countries, <laughs> in other states, mm-hmm. um, where it's legalized recreationally, by being in the cannabis industry and working in this um, world, I feel like we have more access to like things that we, you know, otherwise wouldn't be if we weren't in it. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. So like we get access to like really cool gadgets and and get to know about different strains and different companies that are in the cannabis world. And I feel like uh, in Florida, you don't really get to, you know, that world is not really known. It's not. I just moved from there. Working cannabis. Yeah, it's it's tough down mm-hmm. there for sure. And I'm glad you for guys sure. are making mm-hmm. a voice and, and doing something about it. Um, so do you have a favorite episode or is there a particular topic you love to discuss? I always love the topic of um, smoking uh, leaf just in general. We have a lot of topics where we show people about like CBD and dabbing and like edibles and stuff like that. But it's no secret on the show that we mainly smoke bud. Mm-hmm. And I, I like showing people different, um, like we did a breakdown on an episode called Life of a Bong where mm-hmm. we kind of showed how a bong is made and then the anatomy of a bong and what the different parts are. So I always like breaking down stuff for people like that and definitely educating. So any episode where we're educating people about something, those are my favorites. Yeah, and for me, my favorite episode um, have to be the ones that were like, we have skits mm-hmm. where I get to act in them. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, but I just, I love being goofy, you know, and I love like messing around. I love um, where our fans can see like a different side of us. Mm-hmm. So I love, those are my favorite episodes for sure. Yeah. Both of those, I mean, I like your skits. They're awesome, and they're very entertaining. And I really thought that that bong episode was super informative. So um, have you noticed a change in perception about cannabis as a direct result of the show, like in your immediate life, you know, family, friends? 
I, yeah, I, I think we get a lot of fans that reach out to us and just like the fan mail and stuff we get is great. And a lot of people tell us that because of our show, they've gotten the courage to like come out to their families as donors. And I think that's so important because it's the first step to normalization. So mm-hmm. that makes mm-hmm. me happy. That's awesome. So is there any I've seen that? Like what? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, so, I mean, I have, First, first of all, for my parents, my parents have used to be, you know, coming from a Hispanic family, they're so against it. It's very taboo in Hispanic culture. But now, ever since the show, and they see how successful it is, and they see how successful we are in our own, like, other aspect of our lives, they're just so accepting of it. So, thankfully, because of the show, I've been able to really be open about my cannabis use. That's amazing. That's really awesome. Mm-hmm. Is there any advice you have for women who want to start a career in cannabis? Hmm. I know. Think about this one. I, I'll <laughs> answer this one first. Um, sure. Don't sell out because you feel that over-sexualizing yourself will sell more. Mm-hmm. I don't know that, you know. I feel like women are really quick to, um, you know, you know, because that whole aspect like sex sells kind of thing. And so we're e- it's easy for us to overly come off as overly sexualized because mm-hmm. we know that it's going to like reach more audience or we're going to get more like likes or whatever. I feel like as women in cannabis, we need to stay true to ourselves and and not sell out in that aspect, you know, like absolutely um, make sure that so you're true. you're showing yourself in like a positive light, and, you know, mm-hmm. I would definitely not do it for other people. Mm-hmm. And we, we've said it in other episodes where it, the movement is so fresh that we have to be careful what we do now because it's going to determine a lot. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to, uh, sorry, let me try that again. <laughs> do you have anything specific to promote or any calls to action? I would definitely say um, please subscribe to our YouTube channel because that's our biggest platform right now and it's where our show lives. Um, and subscribing always lets you know when our new episodes come out. Um, the YouTube channel is actually HGAB, which is the um, the production company that produces Stoner Girl Diary. Uh, and HGAB stands for H is for human and GAB is uh, gabbing means talking. So our whole thing is we speak human. And uh, all the shows that our production company puts together really um, – um, sheds light on different cultures and subcultures. So I would definitely check out HGAB as well as Stoner Girl Diary. Mm-hmm. For sure. And um, let me see what else. Um, do you have, if you just follow us on media. Instagram, it's social media, and send us, you know, I always try to tell our fans to like send us their, you know, pictures of them um, watching Stoner Girl Diary because we love to show other people the way that they see Stoner Girl Diary, kind of like. We love to put our fans on our Instagram, mm-hmm. so definitely send us the love, send us pictures. We're very um, interactive with our fans, so don't be scared to send us messages and stuff. Yeah, we always write back. It might take us a little bit, but <laughs> we always write back. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you guys are incredible, and I love your show, and everyone should check it out. So oh, definitely Thank you do so that. much. Thank you, so, thank thank you, you for, so much for having us. Thank you for yeah, this was being so on the fun. show. Thank you. Our next guest is Becky Garrison. Becky Garrison is a freelance writer based in Portland, Oregon. You can follow her travels via Twitter and Instagram at Becky underscore Garrison. So Becky, what inspired you to start writing about cannabis? Well, I moved to the Pacific Northwest in the fall of 2014, and that happened to be coincidentally when they were legalizing recreational cannabis. I write on religion, spirituality, travel was one of my beats. I began to look at this from a 
standpoint of someone who used to use cannabis in college, didn't use it as an adult because I didn't want to go to jail. I wasn't part of the cannabis culture, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But now that it's becoming legally available at, for me to use, and I wanted to start covering it. And as a travel writer, it was also quite interesting because how are new people coming to a region wanting to partake of this? And there was not a whole lot of travel writing available about that topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting, and I think that's definitely needs to be covered. Um, What would you say is the most challenging aspect of covering cannabis? Um, The fact that you have to be so specialized in terms of the the legal aspects. I I cover, because I'm based in Portland, I primarily write on cannabis from Oregon, but I've also covered cannabis in Washington State and Colorado and California and elsewhere, and the laws are just so complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, the moment you write an article, within five or six months, it could be rendered obsolete by changes in the law. So and just watching a market that's never been legalized. Maybe mm-hmm. it's, it's always been gray and then illegal. And then how do you bring that market, you know, to light in light of all the changing regulations as it goes from being an illegal market, still illegal at the federal level, to being you know, recreationally legal in within certain states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the attitudes are so different, I'm sure, where you, wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, the fact that I try to use the correct language. For example, I don't use the word marijuana. I use the word cannabis. Right. Mm-hmm. So educating myself on what is considered the acceptable proper terminology to describe a legalized plant. Mm-hmm. So I don't use, you know, certain terms that, people have used to describe this industry that now are associated as having you know, negative, even racist undertones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's really good to keep yourself continuously educated, you know, which it seems like you definitely do that. Um, so what is your favorite part of reviewing new products and trends? It's absolutely exciting here in Oregon. We, we do a lot of reporting from a travel perspective on the craft industry. So we're looking at craft wine, beer, spirits, mm-hmm. coffee, food, and cannabis. And I live in Portland, the only city, believe it or not, in the country that has, in addition to having more breweries per capita, it, we have craft coffee, breweries, wineries, cideries, meateries, and now cannabis grows. So it's exciting to explore the craft culture that's emerging here in Oregon. Yeah. And it's also, it's also run by a lot of women and people of color, which mm-hmm. is dynamic to see this industry just growing from a, a beginning. They're making their decisions as they go along for how to lead about a craft and ethical business. And it's just phenomenal to be on the ground floor and covering that. Yeah, it's very exciting. Um, so is there a misconception about cannabis that frustrates you the most? I think the assumption of putting it in as a Schedule One drug Mm-hmm. with no medicinal benefits whatsoever. You know, and people continue to say you shouldn't use cannabis. It's a gateway drug. It's going to somehow have the same category as heroin. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, you know, I mean, even some drugs are considered class, you know, Schedule Two that has some value. And look at those drugs, they seem more harmful than cannabis. So when people just don't look at the evidence that this right. is a, a product, a plant, it's very effective and very, you know, natural, similar to other drugs that were made with natural products that are now made with synthetic products. Mm-hmm. 
And it's also very confusing to get into the whole notion of when you look at medicinal products, you know, there's a lot of stuff being discussed with synthetic cannabis. There's, there's also discussion of, you know, the cannabis being funded by Big Pharma and trying to report and find the genuinely stories of interesting craft developing can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, so how does cannabis impact your ability to produce work or does it impact you in any way? It really doesn't. I mean, I have a CBD strain that I will take during the day if I need to stay alert and be a bit more focused. I don't really rely on it that much. And also I make my own cannabis cream to treat my own topicals. Nice. So I would say, if anything, it enables me to you know, go through life without being in any pain because I don't, you know, from the joints and, and aches and whatnot of just being older. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't impact me in terms of any more than drinking a glass of wine or having a craft beer. Right. So you'd say it's like mostly positive then? Yeah, for the most part. The only, if you want to look at a negative thing, I don't know if I would consider this, you know, detrimental to me, but it is frustrating that I have to bring a CBD oil with me when I travel to treat my joint injuries because I'm one of these people that does not want to risk flying with a product that contains THC, especially in the slightest current administration. Right. Absolutely. It's terrifying. So do you have anything specific you'd like to promote or any calls to action? Well, I think that what I would encourage people to do is to get involved at the grassroots level with some of their local organizations. I mean, here in Oregon, we have the Oregon Cannabis Association and some other groups that are really working hard to present ethical, responsible education about cannabis and just encouraging people to educate themselves mm-hmm. and really learn about the product and also start to get in and look at the, the whole notion of the rise of synthetic versus whole plant. You know, what does it mean for a product to be organic and natural? Because these products cannot, as you know, go through USDA, you know, certification for the most part, and they cannot get the other kind of labels to tell you it's a good problem. Right. So you, the, the, there's a huge need for, for people to really educate themselves. Yeah. Right. To, to do some reading and some or listening, whichever way works best for them. Um, do you have any pieces coming up in the near future that you want to promote? Anything specific that, that you're excited about? Well, I can, I've been doing product reviews for Magnetic Magazine mm-hmm. and continue to do features for Fresh Toast. Both of these are online publications that I think are fun and informative. I'm looking at stuff for myself with a health and wellness focus, you know, I'm going to a DVD brunch that I'm looking forward to. I continue to cover a number of expos. And what's exciting is looking at how many of the events that I cover mm-hmm. are, are run by women. You know, there's a preponderance of people of color that are leading events. And it's just exciting just to kind of be part of the mix at this moment. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, definitely look out for the pieces written by Becky in both of those publications because they're very informative. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today, Becky. I appreciate it. No problem. Glad to add my two cents. And and thanks for all the work you're doing, too. It's a very interesting, collaborative time that we're in right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.
Our final guest today is Jacaren Oloyo. Jacaren is the founder of Blazing Canvas, which offers cannabis-friendly art socials in the San Francisco Bay Area. Instead of the traditional step-by-step painting classes, guests are given the opportunity to create their own piece of art in a medium chosen by the host, and all mediums are included. So what inspired the creation of Blazing Canvas, and what is it? So um, I'm going to answer your question backwards. So Blazing Canvas is a um, cannabis-friendly art social. It's an opportunity for like-minded people to come together, have a smoke session, and also create a little bit of art. Um, I created this business because I was interested in cannabis, but I didn't want to like always do it at home by myself. And so I was like, wouldn't it be really great if, like, I could get with a group of people and, like, do something together? And uh, my background is in art, so naturally that's what I was most drawn to. And it turns out lots of other people feel the same way. That's awesome. How does a person schedule an art social? Uh, So scheduling an art social is super easy. Um, You can always send me a message on our Instagram page. Mm -hmm at uh, Blazing Canvas, Um, but also you can send us an email. Um, One of the really uh, great things about our business is that we host public events, and we also host private home events. So there's something for everyone. Very cool. Is there a medium that is most popular, and which one is your favorite? Um, So unlike um, lots of other uh, cannabis and art businesses we don't focus specifically on painting Mm -hmm. so we do a project was actually string art so we got to make these really cool i love california string art pieces Mm -hmm. um that was a lot of fun um i just like experimenting i like to find out what the organizer likes to do and kind of get the temperature of the group and which is uh, something that may be of interest yeah, I saw the pictures on your Instagram. They're really cool. There's a lot of different mediums that awesome. you guys work with. That's really cool. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. I like the string art. <laughs> and then you do, I saw some, like, coloring and types, that type of stuff. Like, all kinds of mediums. That's awesome. I yes, that. everything you can imagine. <laughs> Very cool. And so you just kind of get an idea from the person who wants to set the party or the social, even if it's, like, a smaller setting, and you just kind of go from there. Like, if they have no idea what to start with, How, what would you do typically? Right. So usually, so usually um, what I would do is I would ask them for a theme. So give me an idea of like what you want this to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, most often people say, well, I just want, you know, my friends to be able to relax and do something cool. So then I think about projects that are a little more relaxing, a little easygoing, uh, low energy, um, so we just kind of build from there. Um, string art was really great because the energy of the group was really high. Mm-hmm. And so through the process of like hammering, it was very therapeutic to hit the, the nails with the hammer. Mm-hmm. So that was a much more high energy project. So those are kind of the things that we kind of take into account when we're trying to decide. Mm-hmm. And usually I'll offer a couple of options and then um, the person organizing it will choose one. Um, so do you have any advice for women and femmes trying to enter the cannabis industry? I do. So there are two really important things about being in the cannabis industry. Uh, the 
first one is network, network, network. Like you are not going to get anywhere if you don't network. It's so important because it really is a community. Um, when you think about uh, when you move into a new community, the first thing um, you do or the, th or the first thing that we used to do was we met all our neighbors and we talked to them and we got to know them. And it's fallen by the wayside a lot in our culture, but it's still very much alive in the cannabis industry. Um, the second thing is partnerships. You cannot do it alone. There's no way you can do anything in this industry. You can't have a business if you're only doing things on your own. Um, one of the things that I've learned is that success comes from being with other people. And if you don't have that, you won't last long in this industry. Right. It's a, I think a very community, community oriented industry, which is pretty new and exciting, I think. Um, yes. So which misconception about cannabis frustrates you the most? Um, I, so there are actually, so there are two misconceptions that just drive me crazy. Um, the first one is that only bad people use cannabis. Um, it has a really bad rep and people are still being incarcerated for possession. And it's, you know, this whole idea that, you know, it's something new and it's something that we don't understand. So it's automatically bad. And that just isn't true. Um, the other misconception is that the only way that you can really consume cannabis is by smoking. Like there are some fantastic companies that offer edibles and vaping and I have my personal favorite. So, you know, just explore and try new things. Um, but don't, you know, don't be so stuck into like one mode of consumption. Right. I know there are a lot of options out there for sure. So do you have anything specific <laughs> you'd like to promote or any calls to action? Um, sure. Um, so right now we are um, getting ready to launch our product brand. We're going to be um, we're going to be selling our branded, custom-made rolling trays. Nice. So follow us on Instagram for updates. Find out where we are and make sure you get one. They are absolutely beautiful. They're all handmade, and it's it's really incredible. All right. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. No problem. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Your Highness Podcast, brought to you by Cannabis Women's Alliance and Good Vibes Marketing Agency. The Cannabis Women's Alliance was founded to bring community, guidance, and inspiration to women working in the cannabis industry. Good Vibes Marketing Agency is a digital marketing agency that creates organic content for organic solutions. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future episodes, email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you'd like to inquire about sponsorship opportunities, you can email us at yourhighnesspodcast at gmail.com.